Well, welcome again, everybody. Welcome to Grace This Weekend. And everybody watching online and watching over at Montrose, thanks for joining us this weekend and being together and uh, making time to gather. Uh, we are in a series that we've been in this last few weeks called Down to Earth. And uh, what we've been doing in this series is looking at Christmas, right? So the event of Christmas, the, that first Christmas night, and the shepherds and Mary and Joseph and the baby in the manger. And we've said, what does that mean, right? It's, it's historical. That's good to know. It's religious. We know that that's a part of it and a part of how we celebrate it. And it's God kind of entwined. But what does it mean that Jesus would do that? Who is that baby? And then why does it, why does it matter? Not just like, what's it matter to me? It's more like, how does that play out? Like if that is Jesus and that is real, how does that show up in my life every day, real time, right now in real life? And we just kind of, kind of looking at that and trying to understand it. And what we've been doing in order to get our head around it is we've been going through the Bible and building kind of a, a picture of who Jesus is and who that baby was and what he was doing and why he showed up. And we've been kind of forming that picture here over the last couple of weeks. So these full conversations are online, they're on the app, uh, they're on the podcast, they're all over the place. But we, we've kind of leaned into some key verses and said, let's look at these things because God starts to kind of lay this out and paint it for us. So we've spent a chunk of time looking at the book of John, chapter 1, and this is what God says. So the word, that title, the word, is another name for Jesus. So the word, or God, became human and made his home among us. So we're like looking and saying, okay, in this Christmas narrative, that baby in that manger, that's God. And that's God with skin on. He stepped out of heaven. He came down to earth to make his home among us. Why would he do that? And so we said, well, God did that so that we could understand him, right? So God is a very big concept. The Bible says God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Super massive thing for us to try to get our head around. But when you put God in the context of Jesus being God, and he makes his home among us, and God expresses himself through our setting, right? So Jesus, fully God, fully man, you get to see God, be God in the context of our humanity, it starts to make sense what he was saying, who he was, what he was like, and even how he wants us to respond to him. So that was happening that first Christmas night. God came down to earth to make his home among us. And then what is that God like? Is he judgmental? Does he hate us? Is he here to like deep fry us all? The Bible says, well, no, he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we've seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. So that baby showed up. That's God. Why did God show up? What motivated him? Well, his unfailing love for us motivated him and his faithfulness to us motivated him. That was kind of what was behind that action and what was behind that plan a little bit. And then we went over to Hebrews and we found out a little bit more about 
who that God is and what he's like. And the Bible says this, since then we have a, a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the son of God. Let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. So we're like, oh, so God showed up. He's got skin on because he understands us. He didn't come and live among us because he didn't know who we were. He came to live among us because we didn't know who he was. He understands us. He's been tested in all the same core ways that we've been tested, but he didn't sin. And he understands our weaknesses. He knew that we needed him and he knew that we needed him kind of in our humanity. And so he made made himself make sense. He made himself available. And when we're facing trials and temptations, instead of assuming that God doesn't love us or care about us or is repulsed by us, we're to look and say, no, he loves us. He's faithful. He understands us. What we should actually do is come boldly to him and to his throne room or into his presence and say, I need help. And when we come to God boldly and say, I need help, I need help with this temptation, I need help with this addiction, with this sin, when I do that, what I'll receive is mercy and grace at the time that I need it most. So that's all represented in Christmas. Like that's part of who that baby is and that's part of what God was doing when he put this plan into action. And so we said God, Christmas, is God inviting us to invite him into our humanity. When I'm struggling with sin, when, when I'm struggling with temptation, instead of running from God, I run to God because he's been tempted in those same ways, but he didn't sin, but he certainly understands how difficult and how much pressure is involved with that. So we invite God into our humanity. The other thing we realized was this, is that we invite God into our humanity. And then last week we talked about how we invite God into our woundedness. Like we're all broken. Everybody's been wounded. Everybody sins against everybody. We all have damage. We all have childhood wounds. All of that stuff happens. And the Bible says that when I'm struggling with my woundedness, part of what I should think about is the fact that Jesus came down and he's in that manger. We were looking at Isaiah. Isaiah's talking about the child that's gonna be born. And he's telling us how to think about this child that's gonna be born. He says this in Isaiah chapter nine. So this is the prophecy. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. So that's gonna be Jesus, the virgin birth of first Christmas night. The government will be on his shoulders and he will be called, this is how you should think about this child. He will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. So God says, when you're thinking about the baby, when you're thinking about Jesus, and what you should see in him is that I understand you, I love you, I'm faithful to you, and I get that you're wounded. And in your woundedness, what you need is a wonderful counselor, and that's who Jesus is. You need a mighty God who can heal, who can break chains, and that's who that baby is, an everlasting father, that deep wound, the deepest relational void. God can step into that father place and a prince of peace, right? So we've been kind of putting that together, and we said that, that tells us this. God wants us to invite us into his hum our humanity. 
And God wants us to invite us into our woundedness. And when we think of Christmas, we think about what God's doing, who that baby is, and what he represents in our life real time right now, that's how we should think of who Jesus is and what motivated him to come to earth with us, right? So we're gonna invite God into our humanity. We're gonna invite God into our woundedness. And this weekend, I wanna talk us through this idea that Christmas represents this idea that we should invite God into our fears and anxiety. We should invite God into our fears and our anxiety. So this is what we're gonna do this weekend. Uh, I wanna show you a pattern that's in the Christmas story. And this pattern that's in the Christmas story is gonna show up in real time, real life right now for, for you and me. So I wanna show you that. And then I wanna make three observations about how that pattern plays out in real time in our lives. How God does something in our life, kind of the path he takes us on. And then I wanna show you a gift, a Christmas gift that Jesus wants to give us. And then we'll discover kind of this, this other invitation that Jesus is making to us, okay? So let me show you this pattern. So when you look at the Christmas story, uh, and you think of that first Christmas night and kind of the time and the events surrounding it, the, the, the kind of the three main sets of people that you're gonna see in the Christmas narrative is you're gonna see Mary, the mother of Jesus, and all the events that surround her. And then you're gonna see Joseph, who is Jesus's earthly father. He's not his biological father because Mary was pregnant uh, through a miracle of the Holy Spirit. But Jesus was, or Joseph was Jesus's biological or uh, earthly father here. And then you're gonna see kind of in that, that first narrative, the shepherds, right? And they're a big part of that first Christmas night. Now, I wanna show you something. When you think about those three kind of sets of people, Mary, Joseph, and the shepherds, I wanna show you a pattern that happens with every one of them surrounding the Christmas narrative, okay? So the first one is Mary. So Mary, she's just a servant girl, she's a teenager. The Bible says the angel of the Lord shows up to her and he tells her, Mary, you're gonna get pregnant miraculously, right? Now that was a big deal. It's a big deal just that her life was gonna blow up. It was a big deal in her relationship with Joseph because she was engaged, which is a little bit different than how you and I would be engaged like today. Engagement in the ancient world was actually a legal agreement. So it was a relational big deal. And then for Mary, it was actually a legally a big deal that she would be pregnant outside of her marriage with Joseph. So she gets this news. And when she gets that news, the angel of the Lord delivers it. He says this to her, he says, Mary, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God, right? So her life blows up and the angel says, don't be afraid, right? Now, story goes on. Joseph obviously finds out that Mary's pregnant and he's 100% confident that's not his baby. And so he's like, what in the world? So he's relationally just wigged out by this whole thing. I believe that Joseph was an introverted man and I believe that he was a gentleman. So when she gets pregnant in the ancient world, Joseph had every right to shame her, scorn her, and actually sue her, right? So the Bible says that when he finds out that she's pregnant, he's laying, laying in bed one night, and he's like, what should I do? Like, I, I love this girl, 
I wanted to marry this girl and I, I don't, her life, she's done something with her life. She says it's from the Holy Spirit. Like, what am I supposed to believe about that? And the Bible says that he's considering these things, what to do with her. And as he's doing that, an angel from God shows up to Joseph and he says this, Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid. Take Mary to be your wife. So Mary finds out her life's blown up. Angel's like, hey, don't be afraid. Joseph finds out his life is blown up and the angel's like, hey, don't be afraid. Right? Now the shepherds, this is Christmas night, the shepherds are out in the field, working the night shift. They're just sitting there talking about the game, having a Slim Jim. And as they're hanging out, the sky explodes. Right? They never see anything like it. Is it a meteor shower or whatever? And it's the angel of the Lord. And the angel of the Lord, it would freak you out. It would freak me out, right? So the angel of the Lord shows up, and pretty soon a bunch of angels show up. And the Bible says they were terrified, which is a natural reaction. And when they were terrified, the Bible says this, they were terrified. The angel reassured them, don't be afraid. Uh, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people, right? So there's a pattern. You got Mary, and the angel's like, don't be afraid, and you got Joseph, and the angel's like, don't be afraid. And you got the shepherds, and the, and the angel's like, don't be afraid, right? Now, what is this? What is this? So when you look at that pattern, it's fascinating to, to think about what's going on. The same thing happened to all three of these groups, right? God shows up, blows Mary's life up. Mary did, I guarantee you, Mary did not have her radar on anywhere in her life plan. She, when she sat down with her life coach, she wasn't like, I want to be a servant girl, I want to get married, and then I would like to have a supernatural pregnancy and give birth to the Son of God. I guarantee that's not on paper anywhere, right? So her life blew up unexpectedly, and it freaked her out. Joseph's a carpenter. He's a working guy, right? Just a normal guy. Found a girl, fell in love. They're going to get married. She gets pregnant. It's from the Holy Spirit, right? And so he's like, what do I even do? His, his world is absolutely spinning out of control. And God's like, don't be afraid. And then the shepherds are having a slim jib in a mountain dew. And, and their light blows up. And the angel's like, don't be afraid. Every one of these people, Mary, Joseph, and the shepherds, God blew their life up. None of them would have ever planned on anything like this happening in their life. None of them would have ever envisioned a future that involved a miraculous pregnancy, a broken relationship, and people freaking out at work. Like, none of that would have ever happened. God intervened in every one of their lives and he put their life on an unexpected and dynamic different path than they would have ever predicted or wanted. And when he did that, he looked at them and said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Now, why would he do that? When God put their life on that path, he, this God of unfailing love, this God who is faithful, this God who understands this God who knows that we need counsel and we need his power and we need the reassurance of him being our heavenly father. When God put their life on that path, 
he knew that their natural reaction was going to be fear and anxiety and worry. And what he looked at them, knowing that that was going to be their reaction, it fascinates me. He didn't condemn them. He didn't look at them and say, what are you afraid for? God. Right? What are you so afraid for? How many people can see an angel anyways? Why are you taking this for granted? He didn't do that at all. He looked at them and he was like, I know this freaks you out. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And what you start to see is God responding lovingly to human beings who are responding naturally to their life going down a path that they did not expect. And what we'll see here, I want to make three observations about this. You'll start to see how God walked them down this path and how they move from being people who were afraid to being people who were at peace, right? And I want to show you how this works. So here's the three observations, okay? So we got this pattern. God blows their life out. They respond the way that that we're all going to respond. God's like, I got you. Don't be afraid. And then you see this change in Mary and Joseph and shepherds. How did this happen, right? Here's three observations. When God does this to us, and he does it to us a lot, we, we think we map our life out. That's not true at all. But God does map our life out. So the way that I follow Jesus is not by me telling God that he needs to bless what I decided to do. It's by me figuring out where God wants to lead me. And when we find that out, sometimes it's scary. And it worries us. And it makes us anxious, Right? Now, how did God take these guys from fear to peace? Here's my first observation of what God did. What God did with them was this. God gives clarity to the interpretation of the circumstances. I found this really, really interesting. How do they move from fear to peace? Because God brought clarity to their interpretation of the circumstances. Why were they afraid? They were afraid because of how they interpreted their circumstances, right? So Mary, don't be afraid. Why would he say that? Because she interpreted, like my life just blew up. I'm engaged. I can go to jail for this, right? Everything just went wrong and it made her afraid. It's very normal and natural reaction. Why did Joseph, why was he afraid? Because he interpreted the circumstances. She cheated on me. I loved her. I thought we were getting married. She cheated on me, right? Holy Spirit, right? So he interpreted the circumstances. Why were the shepherds afraid? Because they interpreted the circumstances. The sky exploded, right? That freaked me out, right? So they interpreted the circumstances. Now, this was fascinating. That is what kicked them into fear and anxiety and worry. The first step out of that was God bringing the correct interpretation to the circumstances. They had their natural one, but God looked at all three of these groups and he said, listen, there's something bigger and you should read all of this differently. Mary, 
you're going to conceive and give birth. My life blew up. God's like, actually, you have found favor in the eyes of God. You don't see that. That's why you're afraid. But don't be afraid. This is different than what you think. You found favor in the eyes of God. Right? Joseph, uh, you, you need to take her to be your wife. She could, some guy got her pregnant. What Actually, you're reading it wrong. What is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So you're reading it wrong. Let me, let me show you what it really is, right? Shepherds, uh, terrified. This is, the world's coming to an Actually, this, uh, we're bringing you good news of great joy. Okay. And when we get God's perspective on the circumstances, when we get his interpretation, it changes our reaction to it, right? And so much of the move from fear to peace is gleaning and trusting God's interpretation of the circumstances that caused the fear in us in the first place, right? Now, this is a big deal, super big deal. And in real life, in real time right now, this stuff shows up in powerful ways, right? Because it's all how you interpret the circumstances. Is cancer a curse or a platform? Depends on how you interpret it. Are relational struggles misery or are they opportunities for ministry? Depends on how you interpret them, right? Is your past something you're in bondage to? Or is it something that you can proclaim God's faithfulness through? Depends on how you interpret it. Are financial problems desperation? Or beautiful opportunities to see what dependency does and how God is faithful? depends on how you interpret them, see? And when I interpret things on my own, I can't get my head around it, I can't make sense of it, it's gonna make me afraid. And God's gonna step into that moment, he's gonna look and say, listen, don't be afraid. This is different than what you think. It's bigger than what you think. I'm going to work through it in a way that you would have never asked or expected. So don't let this fear overcome you. See? Because there's something else going on than what you're initially reacting to. Now here's my second observation as I look at this. God brings clarity to the interpretation of the circumstances. But this is fascinating. As we start acting through God's clarity, that's when God starts to bring peace to us. So I wrote it down this way. Peace is found as faith is practiced. Peace is found as faith is practiced. Okay? So God blows their life up. They freak out. Totally understandable. God's not even mad about it. He just looks at them and says, don't be afraid, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. Right? Then he brings clarity to their circumstances. 
And as you watch them start to move and obey God and what he said to do, you watch them start to come to peace, right? So Mary is afraid, and then she starts to carry the baby. She starts to go on this pregnancy journey, and as she follows God in that process, you start to see her have peace. Joseph is tormented because he's like, she cheated on me. As you see, as he obeyed God, as he took Mary to be his wife, and all the, because nobody, you think anybody was believing the Holy Spirit thing? So all the scorn, all the shame, he obeyed God in that, you start to see Joseph come to peace. Even the shepherds, they're freaked out when they actually go and start looking for the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger, they start to come to peace. Peace is found as faith is practiced. Now, catch me, ready? We don't tend to think this way. So we tend to think if God loves us, what he'll do is he'll give me peace. He'll remove my fear He'll remove my anxiety. He'll remove my worry. And once he removes my fear, and once he removes my anxiety, and once he removes my worry, then I'll start to move. And how God will illustrate to me that he is who he says he is, is he'll do all of that. And if he does all of that, then I'll have enough faith to go do what he's asked me to do. And we will become paralyzed by fear and we'll sit and we'll wait. God, take this, do this, change this. If you set all of my circumstances perfectly and you make all of my relationships 100% healthy and you lay out, the, if you could lay out the steps so that I can look ahead and know that every decision is the right decision and every move's the right move and I could understand perfectly what you're gonna accomplish in the end, if you would paint that all for me, well, then I would have the faith to walk through it. And Jesus might look and say, well, that doesn't require any faith. I get that you're scared. I'm not even upset with you about it. I get that you're worried. I get anxiety. Like I'm not, I'm not even, I'm not, I'm not stressed out that you're stressed out. I get that. I'm not judging you for it. I'm just saying, don't be afraid because you're with me. And I have a different take, an eternal take on these circumstances. And what I'm calling you to do is to go with me through these circumstances. And the further you walk in faith, the deeper your peace will become. The longer you wait for peace to act on faith, you will never have this. You'll just talk yourself into your next anxiety, your next fear, your next question. But as I learn to walk with God, his peace will show up in deeper and deeper ways in my life. Right? Don't be afraid, Mary, Joseph, shepherds. Don't be afraid, don't be afraid, right? My life blew up. Actually, you're favored. Actually, it's the Holy Spirit. Actually, it's good news of great joy. Let's read it the way that I would read it. Now, come with me. Mary, you're gonna carry the baby. Joseph, you're gonna marry her. Shepherds, you gotta go into Bethlehem and start looking for a baby. Like, you gotta move. And as you do that, 
I will be with you and peace will become deeper and greater and greater in you. And then this is what happens. This is a third observation. As we move, as we practice faith, we find peace. And as we move, that is what eradicates fear. I wrote it down this way. Acting on faith eradicates fear. It's not the eradication of fear that then causes us to act on faith. But acting on the faith is what removes the fear from us, right? So let me show you this. It's fascinating. So you got Mary, right? Girl just found out that her life blew up. Pregnant, Holy Spirit, broken relationship with Joseph. Got to figure that out. Lots of scorn and shame and potential legal problems. So it's a pretty big blow up. God says, listen, it's from the Holy Spirit. You're gonna give birth to the Son of God. You're gonna name him Jesus, but, and we gotta carry this baby to term. So she follows, she, she works on faith, and you see peace settle in on her. And you get to the end of it, you see what God has done. You see how she moved from fear, how she acted in faith, how peace has become a, a part of her life. And then what happens is this, you actually see the eradication of fear. So later on, as she's pregnant, you get to Luke chapter one, she's praying to God or she's singing a worship song to God. And this is her worship song. Now she's pregnant out of wedlock with a, a miracle and everything that comes with it. And this is the song she sings. Remember, first one was, Mary, don't be afraid. This is a song that she's singing as she stepped in faith and received peace. Mary responded, these are her words. Oh, how my soul praises the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And then she goes on, verse 48, chapter one, Luke. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl and from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy. He has done great things for me. This is the girl that started off with don't be afraid. That was the starting point. And then it was God's interpretation of circumstances. It, I, you think your light blew up. Actually, you're favored. You just don't understand it yet. Now carry the baby. And as you follow me in faith, I will give you peace. And when you get to the end of this process, do you see any fear in this? It's eradicated because she took the journey and she's praising the Lord. My spirit rejoices. He's done great things in me. What's the great things, Mary? Oh, he blew my life up with a miraculous pregnancy. And you see her move through that process from fear to peace as she journeyed with faith. You see the same thing in, in Joseph. So Joseph, this introspective, kind of sensitive guy, when we first find Joseph, like he's thinking, she cheated on me. Should I divorce her? Do I send her away? Like, what do I do with all this thing? Angel shows up, first words, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, Joseph. Uh, take her to be your wife. Well, that's gonna look glory. Now they're gonna think I'm involved with that pregnancy. Take her to be your wife, right? Joseph, what's conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She didn't cheat on you. He reinterpreted the circumstances, right? Now take her to be your wife. And Joseph took her. He acted on faith. And as he acted on faith, peace started to download deeper and deeper. Jesus now was born. 
and he's, uh, he's, they're out from like the manger a little bit. The Bible says at that point is when the wise men show up, the wise men show up, they interact with this guy named King Herod. King Herod is just a horrible human being. He finds out there's a king of the Jews. He's worried about a threat to his power. And so what he does is he orders an infanticide and he starts killing all male children under a certain age. God, of course, knows about this, sends the angel back to Joseph. This is Luke, or I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 2, verse 13 and following. After the wise men had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt for the, with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there till I tell you to return because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. And the Bible says, this is verse 19, that night Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary and his mother. When you first meet Joseph, he's a worry ward. He's thinking through everything. He's paralyzed by fear. God says, fear not. God reinterprets the circumstances. Joseph follows him in faith. A deep peace settles into Joseph's heart. And when the angel comes back the second time, like, Joseph, get out of here. Joseph's like, I wonder if I should. I'm not sure if I should. I don't know. Maybe I should Google it. I don't know what to do. He got up. He left for Egypt that night. Boom. He's protecting. He's in charge. He's leading. Do you see any fear in this action? It's gone. Why? His troubles aren't gone. His worries aren't gone. But his faith, see, even the shepherds, right? Angel shows up, they're terrified. First words, don't be afraid. Reinterpretation of circumstances. You're freaking out. This is actually good news of great joy, right? That's what this is. Now act act on faith. So they go looking for the baby. As they look for the baby, peace settles in. When they find the baby and leave, they are glorifying and praising God. Do you see any fear in that action? Faith eradicates fear. You don't have fear eradicated and anxiety eradicated and worry eradicated and then get faith. It's not the way God works. God is going to ask you. He's going to do it through his word. Sometimes it's going to look like obedience. Sometimes it's going to be the leading of the Holy Spirit. He's going to ask you, right? And it's going to freak you out. There's no way the Bible, that Bible the Bible can't work that way, this way. I mean, I don't, even, I don't even know if I trust it. It's going to freak you out. It's cool. Because God's not angry about that. He's a loving God who is faithful and understands. He's gonna reinterpret those circumstances. Count it joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. He's gonna reinterpret the circumstances and as you obey and follow him in faith, you will receive a deeper and deeper peace and the outcome of that process is you're not driven by fear. Because faith eradicates fear. The angel showed up, fear not. The angel showed up, fear not. The angel showed up, fear not. Now, I want to show you something. I've been excited all week long to show you guys this. So if you're not excited, then I'm just going to have to kick you out of church. So, right, I want to show you this, right? So to this point, it's the angel, the angel, the angel, fear not, fear not, fear not. I want to show you this. Now it's Jesus. 
And Jesus, it's not the angel talking to Mary, talking to Joseph, talking to the shepherds. This is Jesus talking to you. And Jesus is talking to you. He's saying, I got a gift for you. I got a gift for you. This is what he says. These are his words, John 14. I'm leaving you with a gift. What's the gift? Peace of mind and heart. I'm leaving you with a gift. What is it? Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. Isn't that fascinating? Jesus is looking, he's like, guys, I get it. Like when I show up in your life, it feels like the angel's showing up in Mary's life, and you're like, you want me to what? You, you want me to change my life this way? You want me to implement this part of the Bible and in my life that I've always been afraid of, I'm not even sure I trust? You want me to heal this relationship? You want me to love my enemy? You want me to forgive as I've been forgiven? You want me to trust? You want me to do what? And Jesus will look at you and he'll be like, listen, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Well, this is the worst thing that ever happened to me. Actually, let's think about this differently. Let's think about this differently. This is a wonderful opportunity for you to see me work. This is an incredible opportunity for you to tell people about who I am. This is an amazing opportunity for me to show up in your life in a powerful way. Let's reinterpret the circumstances, right? Well, I'm I'm anxious, I'm nervous, scares me to death. I know, come on. Let's start moving on this. And the more that you practice faith, the more that you will find peace. And at the end of this, weird stuff can happen. Like what? Like I praise God for my trials. Like God redeems my past. Like God, I tell stories of God's faithfulness when I just obeyed him and I couldn't figure out the outcome. I watched God put relationships back together and now when he asks me to work on the next one, it doesn't scare me at all because he, the God that I know is unfailing in his love and his faithfulness who understands me. When I was confused, he was my wonderful counselor because he told me if I lack wisdom, I should ask and he'll give it to me without finding fault. When I was powerless, because that addiction or that sin broke me a thousand times, but the mighty God got a hold of that and broke it in my heart and in my life, and he broke the cycles of dysfunction in my family. When I was scared to death because I have a relational void that looks like a missing father or mother, God filled that void with me, and he gave me peace as I followed him on faith. And Jesus would show up in your life like the angel showed up in Mary and Joseph in the shepherd's life and I look at you and he says, I'm gonna give you peace of mind and heart so don't be troubled and don't be afraid. See? Because this journey we're gonna take, we're gonna take together. See? And you know me. You know me. I'm the baby. See? I put skin on, you can understand me. Because every circumstance in your life, there's a circumstance like that that was in my life and you can see how I handled that through the scripture. You know me. I made my home among you, you know me. And I won't leave you and I won't forsake you. And I want you to invite me. Invite me into humanity. I'm not afraid of your sin, I defeated it. 
I just have to teach you how to do that. Invite me into your woundedness. I know you're broken. I don't expect you to live perfectly. That's what my grace and mercy are for, and you can have it whenever you ask for it. And I don't want you to live in fear and anxiety and worry because my perfect love casts that out. So let's go on that journey. And I want you to receive peace of mind and peace of heart. And I want you to move from fear to peace. And this is the journey that we'll take to get there. That's Christmas. That, that's the deal with Christmas. And that, that's not something that happened a long time ago. That's something that like this afternoon, this, this minute, the things I'm wrestling with in my life, the things that scare me, right here, right now, real time, Jesus, the mighty God, the wonderful counselor, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. He came to step into that part of your heart, right? And he gives you a gift. Peace of mind, peace of heart. Don't be troubled, don't be afraid. We're gonna go on this journey together. The band's gonna come out and they'll have to move the stage a little bit so maybe we could just bow our heads and close our eyes as they settle in. And I wonder, um, I wonder this, I wonder if there's an area of your life that is defined by fear. Fear of your past, fear of your pain fear of losing control. Maybe that fear shows up as a lack of trust. I just don't, I see what the Bible says, I see what God says, I just don't trust that that will work for me. Maybe that shows up as anxiety. I just, what if I make a wrong decision, make a wrong move, what if I, what if I, what if I, or worry? I just worry like about things I can't control or understand and it just torments me. And a God of love and a God of faithfulness came to earth and would stand in front of you right now and say, can I exchange, can I exchange peace for that? Can I exchange peace of mind to relieve your worry and anxiety? Peace of heart, relieve your shame and your guilt. And can I take your troubles? Can I take your fears? So maybe this is a time where you just invite God to that spot, wherever it is. 
and you hold him to his word, that he loves you, he's faithful to you. Jesus, would you connect with us in this way? Would you meet us in these places? Would you help us to grab hold of peace of heart, peace of mind, to follow you in faith, to see your interpretation of our circumstances, and to allow you to be the prince of peace that you say that you are?